The following audio is from Story City Church in Burbank, California. Thank you for listening. For more information on Story City, you can find us online at storycitychurch.com or on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter at Story City. Hi, everybody. I'm Natalie. Um, if you're able, please stand with me for the reading of Philippians 1, 12 through 26. Now, I want you to know, brothers and sisters, that what has happened to me has actually advanced the gospel so that it has become known throughout the whole imperial guard and to everyone else that my imprisonment is because I am in Christ. Most of the brothers have gained confidence in the Lord from my imprisonment and dare even more to speak the word fearlessly. To be sure, some preach Christ out of envy and rivalry, but others out of goodwill. These preach out of love, knowing that I am appointed for the defense of the gospel. The others proclaim Christ out of selfish ambition, not sincerely, thinking that they will cause me trouble in my imprisonment. What does it matter? Only that in every way, whether from false motives or true, Christ is proclaimed, and in this I rejoice. Yes, and I will continue to rejoice because I know this will lead to my salvation through your prayers and help from the Spirit of Jesus Christ. My eager expectation and hope is that I will not be ashamed about anything, but that now as always, with all courage, Christ will be highly honored in my body, whether by life or by death. For me, to live is Christ and to die is gain. Now if I live on in the flesh, this means fruitful work for me, and I don't know which one I should choose. I am torn between the two. I long to depart and be with Christ, which is far better, but to remain in the flesh is more necessary for your sake. Since I am persuaded of this, I know that I will remain and continue with all of you for your progress and joy in the faith, so that because of my coming to you again, your boasting in Christ Jesus may abound. This is the word of the Lord. Thank you, Natalie. What's up, fam? How are you guys doing this morning? All right. You guys are awake for a 9 a.m. service. I like that. Welcome. Good morning again. Welcome to the Story City Church Collective. For those joining us for the first time, we are a family of churches. This is the Burbank location. We also have a Granada Hills location, and we are currently praying through and working towards a location in Northridge. Yeah, some of you are like, I like that city. That's all right. It's okay. Some of of my CSUN peeps, uh, Jesus is coming. It's all right. Uh, And then uh, hopefully Glendale after that. But God is doing what God is going to do, and we will simply listen. My name is Jared. I have the honor of being one of the pastors here. So good to see you guys. Uh, Story City exists to lead communities into healthy relationships with Jesus and others. That means that we are focused on being a people of a healthy faith, people who love and serve and are generous to the point of inconvenience to the people around us. And this really comes from Jesus' statement in Luke ten twenty seven, when he's asked what the greatest commandment in Scripture was. And he says, it's to love the Lord your God with all of your heart, all your soul, all your strength, and all your mind. And, and he makes this commandment equal to it, your neighbor as yourself. And so this is exactly why we do what we do to, to be so heavily involved in foster care and adoption, why we do what we do to love the community around us, and why we do our best to provide for those in need during the strikes. And so if you need assistance during this time, be it financial, emotional, or spiritual, please reach out to us at care at storycitychurch.com, and we'll work to meet your needs to the best of our ability. Let's get to our minute to mingle question for today. What was your best moment from last week? What do you guys got? Les Miz. What? 
Jay, Eric, and Brennan show. Yeah, some people, some of our peeps played the Viper Room. What up? Eric just dabbed. Amazing. All right. What was that? Young married group. Yeah, that was a good missional community too. What up? Anybody else? Hundred percent of the math test. Yeah, that's miraculous. Anything else? Payson's birthday party, yeah, yeah. And even though you don't know, Payson is here, and it is her birthday, and so I think we should stop right now. I'm just kidding. We won't do that, Payson. I, I know that you had a moment of great fear. That would have made this the worst moment of your week, so we are not going to do that, but we, are, we love you. We're proud of you. Anything else? These are good moments. These are good moments, right? Anybody have a good moment in a bad week? Right? So often, though, it's, it's easy to get overwhelmed by the bad week and forget those good moments. Today, we're continuing our series, the book of uh, Philippians, entitled Fight, Pursuing Joy Through. And we're looking at how do we pursue joy. Finding joy is not something that just comes naturally. There's something that has to happen in us. And part of that is remembering moments like those, good moments, Dr. Cloud uh, shared in our last series that when we change our thinking and behavior, we must replace that thinking and behavior with new and healthy behavior. And so last week, we learned that one of the ways we pursue joy, that we fight for joy, is by pursuing healthy community. We do it together in a group, that life is better when we're not alone, and that God uses his spirit and his church to bring about change in us and through us. And today we're looking at how we fight for joy by ensuring that we're pursuing the right priorities. How are we putting first what needs to be put first in our path to joy? And so this brings us to our big idea for the day. Here's the big idea for the day for those taking notes. God works in all things for our good through his spirit and his church. God works in all things for our good through his spirit and his church. Now, some of you here last week are like, wait, that sounded like one of the points from last week. You're right. It was one of the points from last week. But it undergirds and and props up and permeates all of today's message. And I think you'll see that. And so today we're also going to see, as a part of that big idea, how the fight for joy is a fight for healthy perspectives. That the fight for joy is a fight for healthy priorities. And that here at Story City, we fight for joy through prayer and people. And if you didn't catch that, yes, we are Baptists, so there's your alliteration for the day. All right, let's go back and remind ourselves of today's scripture, and then we'll jump in. Philippians 1, 12 to 26. Now, I want you to know, brothers and sisters, that what has happened to me has actually advanced the gospel so that it has become known throughout the whole imperial guard and to everyone else, that my imprisonment is because I am in Christ. Most of the brothers have gained confidence in the Lord from my imprisonment and dare even more to speak the word fearlessly. To be sure, some preach Christ out of envy and rivalry, but others out of goodwill. These preach out of love, knowing that I am appointed for the defense of the gospel. The others proclaim Christ out of selfish ambition, not sincerely, thinking that they will cause me trouble in my imprisonment. What does it matter? Only that, in every way, whether from false motives or true, Christ is proclaimed, and in this I rejoice. Yes, and I will continue to rejoice, because I know this will lead to my salvation through your prayers and help from the Spirit of Jesus Christ. My eager expectation and hope is that I will not be ashamed about anything, but will now, as always... 
with all courage, as always, with all courage, Christ will be highly honored in my body, whether by life or death. For to me, to live is Christ and to die is gain. Now, if I live on in the flesh, this means fruitful work for me, and I don't know which one I should choose. I am torn between the two. I long to depart and be with Christ, which is far better, but to remain in the flesh is more necessary for your sake. Since I am persuaded of this, I know that I will remain and continue with all of you for your progress and joy in the faith, so that because of my coming to you again, your boasting in Christ Jesus may abound. There's a lot to cover here this morning. There's a lot in there. We could probably spend weeks on that, but let's start with an overview of what's happening first. Paul, now it's his Greek name, Saul being his Hebrew name. His name wasn't changed. Uh, some of us are like, oh, his name got changed. His name wasn't changed. He's simply going by Paul. He's known more by Paul because that's his, his ministry is to the Gentiles, to those outside of the Jewish faith. And so that's how they would have known him. As Paul goes on his missionary journeys, he meets resistance from three main sources. Three main sources. The first are Jews who feel that this new sect of Judaism has misunderstood, that they, they have got it wrong, that Jesus is Messiah, and so they want to frustrate Paul's uh, message and efforts to spread the gospel. That's the first group of resistance. The second group are Jewish converts to Christianity. They recognize Jesus as Messiah, but contrary to what Paul and the other apostles have agreed to, they believe that all Gentiles must follow uh, every law and practice of Judaism in order to be Christians. And so things like circumcision and uh, sacrifice are things that they would say must still be done. And, uh, and Paul was heavily against that. The third group is merchants like idol makers and fortune tellers whose business is directly impacted by the telling or spreading of the gospel. And so these groups have actively resisted Paul. Everything from, from beating him and stoning him, not stoning, but like rocks. Okay, LA, I have to clarify. Uh, they've caused riots and had him whipped, but it's the political maneuverings that actually get Paul. And Paul ends up uh, on trial And uh, while on trial, he's not sure he's going to win. And so he exercises his right as a Roman citizen and he appeals to Caesar directly. Now, it has the benefit of taking it out of the local magistrate's hands, but it also enters him into this very long process that takes a long time to get all the way to Caesar. And instead of being released on appeal, he remains under house arrest and is chained to a Roman guard 24 hours a day. Uh, some people say that they're chained to his wrist and they would basically just change the guards out constantly, but he always has to have somebody chained to him. Now, as we talked about last week, also, Paul incurs all of the expense for this. So he has to pay the rent on the house, right? What if we went to jail and you had to pay rent on your cell? and your food, and anything that you wanted necessity-wise, like, it's, it's overwhelming. This is exactly what Paul is doing. And so the church in Philippi has taken up an offering for its founding pastor. That's amazing, because it's not even Pastor Appreciation Month in October, and they just go ahead and do something great for him. I, I don't know how that works, but... So Paul graciously responds, and, and he's like, I, I'm, I'm overwhelmed, I'm overjoyed that you have provided for my needs... But at the same time, as he addresses them, Paul is facing the uncertainty of what's going to happen with his trial. If he loses this, it's capital punishment. He is dead. And Paul honestly does not know what the outcome of the case is going to be. 
And so Paul works hard to balance the fact that he has work to do still, but just in case he needs them to understand that they can keep doing what they're going to do and they're going to be fine because he's already shown them what needs to happen. For those taking notes today, this brings us to our first observation. The fight for joy is a fight for healthy perspective. The fight for joy is a fight for a healthy perspective. Did you know there's a whole movement called positive psychology? You guys heard this? Anybody seen the TED Talk by Dr. Sean Acor on happiness? It's going to change your life. It's fantastic, right? Um, Google it. I would have shown it this morning, but it's like 12 minutes long. And though it's worth it, that's a long time to show a video. So uh, Dr. Acor's talk on positivity is a hilarious introduction to the field of positivity as a movement. But here's what he argues. He argues in his point that many of us believe that when we achieve what we set out to achieve, when we reach the pinnacle of of success for ourselves, then we'll finally be happy, happy and positive. And what he and his colleagues have discovered is that those who are happy and positive first actually achieve and accomplish more. They have a higher peak than those who wait for that peak to be happy and positive. But did you know that the Bible has been teaching this for millennia? It's funny. I love that that psychology is finally catching up to, I don't know, the God of the Bible who created the mind. But it happens to be that they're finally recognizing that there's something to this. There's something real to this moment. The biggest difference for us is that we believe true joy is not found in us. It's fickle, right? Because we aren't always stable, that we can't find uh, this concrete reason for joy in all circumstances. We believe that we can't create that on our own all the time. We believe that we can only experience true joy in all circumstances through Jesus. Now, because we've been adopted into the family of God, because he loves us and works all things out for our best good, we're able to have a completely different perspective in times that wouldn't naturally be joyful. Look, look at Paul's circumstances right here. He's in chains, literal chains. He's not able to do what he knows he's called to do. He has this, this desire to be on the missionary journeys that he is supposed to be all about. His evangelistic reach has been limited to his letters. People are taking advantage of his situation and building their own platforms, but not just doing that, they're doing it at Paul's expense. He hasn't been able to be with the church in Philippi as he wants, but did you notice that's not how Paul describes his situation? Look again, starting in verse 12. Now, I want you to know, brothers and sisters, that what has happened to me has actually advanced the gospel so that it has become known throughout the whole imperial guard and to everyone else that my imprisonment is because I am in Christ. Most of the brothers have gained confidence in the Lord from my imprisonment and dare even to speak, uh, even more to speak the word fearlessly. To be sure, some preach Christ out of envy and rivalry, but others out of goodwill. These preach out of love, knowing that I am appointed for the defense of the gospel. The others proclaim Christ out of selfish ambition, not sincerely thinking that they will cause me trouble in my imprisonment. What does it matter? Only that in every way, whether from false motives or true, Christ is proclaimed, and this I rejoice. Yes, and I will continue to rejoice. He's in chains, but those chains are spreading the gospel in ways that he couldn't before. He's limited by his imprisonment. 
But that limitation is actually emboldening others to do what they weren't doing before. People are tearing him down to build themselves up and make themselves look good. But Paul says the gospel is still being advanced. Christ is still being preached. Regardless of the motives. He hasn't been been able to be with the church in Philippi like he wanted, but he has faith that on being released and seeing him again will cause him to glorify Jesus. And see, this this word rejoice that Paul uses in verse 18 means more than just rejoice. Like to, to us, it's kind of become a, yay, feel good. But that's not what it means. It means to shout with exultation. It's like to truly laugh out loud and not just write LOL. R. Rainey writes this about Paul's witness to the guards. Remember also that most of these were men to whom Paul at liberty or free, speaking in synagogues and the light, would have no access, nor would he have come near the circles to which their influence extended. But now, being imprisoned, his bonds become manifest in Christ. Thus, does it often come to pass that what seems adverse proves to be on our side? Fruit is not always born most freely when the visible opportunities of laboring are most plentiful. Rather, the question is how the opportunities given are employed and how far the life of the laborer bears witness of the presence and power of Christ. Family, as we remember the truth of Scripture and we live in the light of that truth, joy results from our new and healthy perspective. It's exactly what just happened to Paul. There's no reason for joy Everything else seems to be stacked against him, and yet, because he has a healthy perspective, he can see this. We see this most clearly in verse 20. He says, my eager expectation and hope is that I will not be ashamed about anything, but that now, as always, with all courage, Christ will be highly honored in my body, whether by life or death. This is Paul's deep hope. That all of this matters, that in the end, that, that through the things he goes, uh, goes through, all of the pain and the suffering and the trials and, and just day-to-day life, even the stuff that's not that bad but is just tiresome, that through it, he would bring glory and credit to Jesus. That's the perspective that he has. And by tying this hope he has of the outcome to the perspectives he has, we begin to understand how he can accomplish his goal. Paul gives us a clue in the book of Romans, his letter to the church in Rome, uh, chapter 5, verses 3 to 5. Paul says, and not only that, we boast in our afflictions because we know that affliction produces endurance. Endurance produces proven character, and proven character produces hope. Paul's saying, look, my hope has come from all the things I've endured in a way that God is shaping me through these things. And he says the hope is not the type of hope that like, gee, I kind of hope it happens. He says this is the hope that doesn't disappoint because it's from God. It's hope that is a certainty. Hope because God's love has been poured out in our hearts through the spirit that he has given us. And so we have this certainty of hope that this is going to happen. For those taking notes today, this brings us to our second observation. The fight for joy is a fight for healthy priorities. So not just perspective, but healthy priorities. The fight for joy is a fight for healthy priorities. Paul's unwavering love for Jesus places the gospel above his own self-interest. Now, I love how real scripture is, and sometimes we, we, we sort of gloss over some of the difficult things, but the Bible is, is not shy about the difficult things. 
It doesn't shy away from it. It doesn't, uh, it just addresses it head on. It leaves it in there. It's one of the things I love about the Bible. It, it leaves stuff that makes itself look bad, right? It makes Christianity look bad. It's all there. And we see some of this in Paul's strugglings in the next few verses. Look at verse 21 again with me. For me, to live is Christ and to die is gain. I lost my place. Where are we at? Uh, Now, if I live on in the flesh, this means fruitful work for me, and I don't know which one I should choose. I am torn between the two. I long to depart and be with Christ, which is far better. But to remain in the flesh is more necessary for your sake. What does it mean to live is Christ and to die is gain? I believe that Paul is saying to live in Christ is to live in Jesus, to walk in his power, in his purpose, and to be on his mission. But to die is to actually be with Jesus, to be in his physical presence, finally and forever. I mean, that's, it's like, Rest. And so Paul, I believe, isn't despairing enough to die. Rather, I think he loves Jesus so much that he can't wait to see him. And Paul sees death, as one author writes, as an immediate connection to Christ. He's like, ah, I've got this mission. I've got this, this thing that I'm doing, and I'm, I'm, I'm being obedient. I'm, I'm fulfilling my calling. And yes, but it comes with all of this brutal pain, suffering, and frustration, Man, wouldn't it be great just to be with Jesus right now? If we're honest, there's times, a lot of times in my life where I'm like, God, it would not be a big deal if you just took me right now. It'd be a lot easier. Just take me in my sleep quietly, like my grandpa, not screaming like all the people in his car. I'm just kidding. (laughs) Sorry, a little dark this morning. Okay. Look, this is more than that. This is more than just the Lord would be great if I can go home. Paul is facing death. Paul is literally facing death. Like, it is a real and possible outcome for him. And so he's wrestling, like, just like anybody facing death. He's working to reconcile his feelings. He's like, God, what, what, what's going on here? And while he might relish the idea of no more suffering, he values the gospel and the church more than himself. How do we know this? Because he actually expresses that to the church in Corinth in 2 Corinthians eleven twenty four to 28. Here's what he has been through. And then listen to where he gets in the end of this. Paul says this, five times I've received the 40 lashes minus one from the Jews. Three times I was beaten with rods. Once I received a stoning. Three times I was shipwrecked. I spent a night and a day in the open sea. On frequent journeys, I faced dangers from rivers, dangers from robbers, dangers from my own people, dangers from Gentiles, dangers in the city, dangers in the wilderness. You can't get anywhere. Dangers at sea, dangers among false brothers, toil and hardship, many sleepless nights, hunger and thirst, often without food, cold and without clothing. Not to mention all the other things, there is the daily pressure on me, my concern for all the churches. This is why Paul concludes in verse 24 that it's better for him to remain because he cares so much about the church despite the difficulty and pain that comes with that decision. See, Paul has a completely different perspective that leads him to a different set of priorities. Paul has a completely different perspective that leads him 
to a different set of priorities. For those taking notes, this brings us to our third observation for the day. At Story City Church, we fight for joy through prayer and people. We fight for joy through prayer and people. Moitier and Stott write this, Paul's mind is made up on one thing. Let the future bring what it will. Christ will be honored. He leaves no room for uncertainty on this score. His task, whatever the future turns out to be, is not to carry a snapshot of Christ in his wallet for the occasional sharing with chosen people, but to show an enlarged, life-sized Christ to all who care to look, a Christ displayed in Paul's every dimension and capacity, a Christ magnified. The Lord Jesus Christ is thus the central controlling factor for Paul and for all. Our faith in the Father of the Lord Jesus is such that we know all things are working towards the day of Christ, whether they seem so or not. Our Lord is the key of all history and all personal history, and he must be made the deciding factor in every Christian choice. The glory of Christ must be our great and controlling interest. But how do we actually accomplish this? How do we actually make this practical? What do we do about this? How do we change our perspective that changes our priorities? And the answer, I believe, is found in Paul's secret sauce. Okay? Here's the recipe. Verse 19. Paul writes, Because I know this will lead to my salvation through what? Your prayers and what else? The help of the Spirit of Jesus Christ. See, the big idea for today is that God works in all things for our good through his spirit and his church. And this is exactly where Paul goes for his hope. He finds solace, hope, and encouragement through the church in Philippi. That's why he's writing this letter. Thank you. You guys have partnered with me. You guys have come alongside of me. I needed you. Now, remember, Paul is the one that started this church. They have a very special relationship. Paul has given everything to them, and now they are blessing him back. Not only have they given him a financial gift and partnered with his gospel work, but he is absolutely certain that they will be praying for him and asking God to continue to help. That is a great certainty. Family, for those of you who don't know, one of the loneliest jobs on the planet is the, is the senior pastor. It's incredible how lonely it is. There is so much that comes uh, that, that pastors have to bear on their shoulders, we don't always realize. That Paul knows that he has these people in his corner. And remember, he said, I fought trouble and difficulty from everywhere, inside the church, outside the church. There's nowhere I could go. The sea, the desert, the mountains, like all of it has created pain. And so the fact that they're standing with him gives him encouragement and hope. See, the reality is, is that the Christian life was never meant to be lived alone. In the garden, before sin has entered, before humanity broke the relationship between God and mankind, between humanity and each other, and between us and all of creation, right? We broke that with our rebellion. Before any of that happened, God said it was not good for mankind to be alone. He names something not good that he needed community and partnership for the purpose of accomplishing the mission that God gave him. Dr. Martin Lloyd-Jones said this. He said, anyone who thinks he can live the Christian life himself is proclaiming he is not a Christian. Anyone 
who thinks he can live the Christian life himself is proclaiming he is not, the Christian, not a Christian. We were meant to be in community. At Story City, we live out our apprenticeship rhythms in community, not alone. Doing life on life in a healthy way means we bring our struggles and doubts and fears to the table. It means we are honest and transparent about what we're facing. Family, together in gospel community, we find others who will help us fight to remember that God works in all things to do what's best for us and for his kingdom. And they help us fight to have a completely different perspective that leads us to a different set of priorities. That happens together in community. But here's the kicker. Here's the kicker. We don't fight in conventional ways. Right? We don't fight in conventional ways. Zechariah 4, 6 says, So he answered me, This is the word of the Lord to Zerubbabel, not by strength or by might, but by my spirit, says the Lord of armies. In addition to community and as a part of community family, we must be praying. We must be praying. The Bible says we don't have faith except what God gives us. We don't have hope except what we have in Christ. If we want a true and lasting joy, a joy in all circumstances, then we must pursue it in prayer, especially in community. Paul says he can and will continue to rejoice, to have joy. Why? Because in verse 19, he knows the hope he has as God works in and through him by the Spirit and the church. This is as true for us as it is for Paul. Some of us need to engage in community in ways we haven't before. Some of us need to, 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 to let down our guard and to let family in, to be a part of something. Some of us need to stop trying to do everything in our power and strength and ask God to do what he wants in our lives. Some of us are engaged in praying, but we haven't understood our obligation to pursue others and to bring them into healthy community. All of us, though, family, need to fight for healthy perspectives. All of us need to fight for healthy priorities. And all of us need to fight through prayer and people. That is one of the ways we pursue joy. Let's pray. Thank you, Lord. That you have not left us on our own in this fight. That you gifted us your spirit to work in us. That you've gifted us your church. That we get to be a part of something bigger than ourselves. And I thank you that in both of those things that we find the path to pursuing joy. Thank you for those you provided to speak into our lives to, Lord, encourage and support and sometimes cajole and correct so that we, Lord, can know you more and love you more. Help us to know you and love you and love our neighbors as ourselves. Father, you said all scripture is wrapped up in these things. We want to be good at those things. Lord, there's so many areas that we are still unbelievers in. Lord, we we believe, help us in our unbelief. We love you and trust you in the name of Jesus.